Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Wednesday, September the 28th, 2022. It is currently 2.39 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. And I don't know how things are going with you. I don't know if you're having a calm, peaceful day, one of tranquility and peace. But for me, I'm rushing around trying to get a million things done because come Saturday morning, I'll be in a car driving, what is it, eight miles to basically Houston, Texas to Galveston to get ready to go on a cruise beginning, what, Sunday morning, and I'll be gone well, for well, all the way until the next Saturday. So that means I'm not going to be podcasting. Now, I know you probably don't care. You don't care that I'm going on vacation. You may not even care that I'm not going to be podcasting. But that puts me in a situation where I every day that I'm gone, every day that I'm not podcasting, I'm going to fall further and further behind in series that we need to complete and things we need to do in answering emails. So today I was looking going, oh man, I've got so many emails. People have asked me so many questions. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? So I'm turning on the microphone to at least address one of the questions. Uh, This is nowhere close to answering everything I need to answer. So if you have emailed me and if I don't respond between now, you know, 10, 11 days, give me about 10 or 11 days to to possibly respond. So I, I apologize. It's not like I have staff saying, hey guys, I'm going on vacation. Take care of everything. Answer my email. I don't have that. So, but I will, when I get back, do what I can to try to address your email. In many cases, I address email in podcast form. In other words, I just turn on the microphone and deal with the subject and hopefully it is sufficient. But I'm doing my very best And I do apologize for all the series that will be delayed in us, bringing them to some kind of satisfying, dramatic conclusion. I don't know. Maybe maybe all I can handle is just, okay, it was satisfying. It was, it was, it was okay. Maybe that's all I can shoot for. I, I hope for always a dramatic conclusion. They don't always end that way, but we will see. We have many things going on. So let's get right to it. All right. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to an email. It was, it's very short. And I guess the way I'm going, I guess, I guess what I'm going to do is hit puberty because my voice just cracked. Okay. No, what we're going to try to do, I think what I'm going to do is just try to kind of present this to everyone and say, here is what someone is suggesting. Now, I want all of you, the listeners, to try to prove, yeah, yes, I can prove that that's true or I can prove that it's not true. Is it true or is it false? Is it a good idea? Is it a bad idea? Is this a possible way of interpreting this chapter or is it a incorrect way of interpreting this chapter? I I like to do that one just because, well, while I'm gone, I'm I'm giving you some things to work on because, you know, I don't want you to be bored. I don't want you to go, well, what do I do now? I want to make sure you have something to do. But uh, mainly I think I'm doing this because I really want to see what everyone comes up with. Now, if you know anything about me, if you email me and you put forth an idea, uh, an, a possible interpretation of a passage of scripture, some kind of theological perspective, even though I may immediately look at it and reject it, even if I may think it's absolutely crazy, I always do my very best to 
try to at least consider the perspective, even if I've already studied it 50 different times and I've rejected it all 50 times, I'm still, when I get that email or that question, I'll always go, okay, okay, okay. I know my perspective. I know my perspective, but let's set my perspective aside and let's relook at this uh, for the 51st time, for the 61st time. And the reason I do that is because I know that I'm not infallible. I know that I'm very fallible. I know that I'm a sinner. I don't know everything. So whatever position I come in contact with, I, yes, I may immediately reject it, but trust me, I, I go back and I'm like, okay, all right, well, what about this? Okay, well, if I tried this, okay, well, if we did this, okay, would that work? Okay, well, no. Okay, all right, let, let's say that that position is true. Let's take it to its logical conclusion. Okay, well, there's a problem here. There, I do everything I can. And then when I'm done, I may go, well, I still reject it. Now, the next time I get asked the question, I don't rely on my previous con- my previous conclusion. I relook at it again. Well, I received on September the 26th, so two days ago, I'm a little behind, an email at 8.53 p.m. Central Time. Here is the email. I think Isaiah 53 is about the suffering David instead of the suffering Jesus. Would like to have your view on this. Well, obviously, my view, if you just want, if you just want my view, is going to be in line with historical biblical Christianity, who sees Isaiah fifty three as a messianic prophecy pointing to Jesus. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, this is one of those chapters. There's not much debate about. You can buy a hundred commentaries, and I think they're all going to say, "Oh, this is about Jesus. This is about Jesus. This is about." I mean, that's going to be my basic view. I, I don't think I've ever. I I know for a fact of all the Bible institutes, all the Bible colleges, and all the seminaries I attended, not one of them ever said Isaiah fifty three is about David. I'm not saying I'm not familiar with that view being put forth in some circles, but I'm saying this is a pretty. It's pretty universal within historical biblical Christianity to see Isaiah 53 as a messianic prophecy. I'm not saying there haven't been people in church history who may go with the, the, the a more Davidic or David interpretation. I'm not saying it's not there. I'm just saying it's mo- most likely what you're always going to find is it pointing to Jesus. But so I could just say, no, it's about Jesus. Next, I could do that. But one, I don't ever want to do that to anyone who takes the time to listen and email this program. I always want to try to show, no, your email, your question, whether whether I may, I, because I don't ever want to be dismissive. You always want to take the question, you always want to take the thought, you know, as as seriously as you can and at least consider it. Now, when I'm done, I may I may reject it, but I try to set aside all of that previous teaching, all of the seminary, Bible college, all of the preaching that I've heard on Isaiah 53, I'm going to set it aside and I'm going to present it to all of you, the listeners. Isaiah 53. Is it about suffering David or is it about Jesus? Now, what would you do to first test the hypothesis? Let's say, let's just say Isaiah 53 is about suffering David. Let's see that as the hypothesis. Let's see that as kind of the theory. What would you do to test that theory? What would you do to disprove that theory? What would you do to prove that theory? 
And then what would you do to prove or disprove the idea that it's about Jesus? What would the steps be that you would take? And I really want you to just think that through. Like, okay, if someone was asking me that question, like, let's say you go to work or you, I mean, you're in church and there's some new person in church and they walk up to you and go, hey, I was reading Isaiah 53 this week. Is this about David or is this about Jesus? What would you do? What would you do? Now, I know most likely you say, well, it's about Jesus, obviously, but I hope you, I hope you would, uh, I know some of you may do that, but I hope you wouldn't do that. I hope you'd be like, that's a very good question. Let's spend some time working on it. All right. So are you willing to do the work? Okay. Grab a notebook, grab a pencil. Let's see. Let's take the follow. And then just throughout the week, you're like, okay, here's step one. What, what would be the first step you would give them? Because I, I tend not to just give people answers. People in my church know this. I think most of the people listening, if you ask me a simple question like that, I'm not, I rarely am I ever going to respond, oh, it's about, no, I'm going to ask, I'm probably going to ask you questions. And I do that because I'm trying to, it's, to me, it's better when you work through a problem and you come to the conclusion than me just giving you the answer. When you work through the steps and find the answer for yourself, that's far more meaningful than just asking some quote unquote pastor, podcaster, and they just give you the answer. That doesn't, how did that help you? You don't even know how they came up with the answer. It's, it's better for you to dig in. So that's what I try to do. So I'm presenting this to everyone. Isaiah 53, suffering David or suffering Jesus? Now, I don't know if this is going to end up turning into a long series. I don't think it will. But let's just do a little bit of work. I'm going to at least get us started. First thing let's do, let's just read Isaiah 53. All right? We have 12 verses. Isaiah 53. All right? I'm just going to read it from the the Bible that happens to be open here on my table. It's not the King James. I have the King James underneath it. So if we need to read from both, we will. But we'll start with this one. Isaiah 53, verse 1. Who has believed what we have heard? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a young plant. And like a root out of dry ground, he didn't have an impressive form or majesty that we should look at him. No appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like he he was like someone people turned away from. He was despised and we didn't value him. Yet he he himself bore our sickness. He carried our pains, but we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We have all turned to our own way, and the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. Now, I would just stop right there and say, if you're going to put forth that this is David, how does that sound like David in any way, shape, or form? David suffering for us, David paying for our iniquities, David, our sin being placed upon David. David had his own sins. David had his own iniquities. So, I mean, right there just seems like I would have a hard time. Like, how are you going to make that work? 
He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, and like a sheep silent before her shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was taken away because of oppression and judgment. And who considered his fate? For he was cut off from the land of the living, and he was struck because of my people's rebellion. He was assigned a grave with the wicked, but he was with a rich man at his death, because he had done no violence and hath hath not spoken deceitfully. Yet the Lord was pleased to crush him severely when you make him a guilt offering. He will see his seed, he will prolong his days, and by his hand the Lord's pleasure will be accomplished. After his anguish he will see light and be satisfied by his knowledge. My my righteous servant will justify many, and he will carry their iniquities. Therefore I will give him the many as a portion, and he will receive the mighty as a spoil, because he willingly submitted to death and was counted among the rebels, yet he bore the sin of many and interceded for the rebels. He willingly submitted to death? I mean, didn't David get old and die? Like, like, I mean, how do you work? How do you make Isaiah 53? I mean, I'm just from the surface, just reading Isaiah 53. It would be hard for me to go, oh, oh, that's David. That's, I'd be like, okay, maybe I can make some of that fit, David. Maybe, maybe I could take certain very specific situations in David's life and go, oh, okay, okay, that, that fits there. But the totality of that, I, I don't know how you would do that. I don't know how you would come to that conclusion. I'm willing to hear all of the supposed arguments for it, but I, I have a feeling that this this is the way I would, this is the only way I think you could make the David thing work. This is just my theory. You reject the New Testament outright. Outright. You just, the entire New Testament is rejected and you forget. You reject Jesus as being nothing more than a blasphemous son of a carpenter, illegitimate, who was not deity and was not the Messiah. You, you have to almost start with the New Testament is wrong. The New Testament cannot be trusted. Jesus is not the Messiah. And if you do that and all you have is Isaiah 53, then that means you have to interpret Isaiah 53 without looking to Jesus. Because if you look to Jesus, I don't know how you can't come to the conclusion. I think that Jesus fits Isaiah 53 very, very well. And not only that. So, so I think that's the only way to make the David thing work. You have to reject the New Testament and you have to reject Jesus. Then you can possibly make Isaiah 53 work by saying that's David. I still don't even know if it truly works, but at least you can try. Right? So you, that's the first thing you'd have to do. I mean, that's, well, I mean, I guess that's the only thing you would have to do. I was going to say, I was going to say something else in regards to cross-references in the New Testament to Isaiah 53, but if you reject the New Testament, it doesn't matter. In other words, if you reject the New Testament, then, then, then the issue, then the, really the issue is this. Think about, the issue doesn't become Isaiah 53. The issue becomes about your rejection of the New Testament. Right. Like if you reject the New Testament, there's no point in arguing with you that Isaiah 53 is about Jesus because you reject the New Testament. So is it possible that you accept the New Testament, you accept Jesus as Messiah, but you believe Isaiah 53 is not about Jesus? Well, if that's the case, well, then we have another problem. What do you do with all the cross references in the New Testament to Isaiah 53? 
And can you find one cross-reference in the New Testament to Isaiah 53 that points to David as the fulfillment? I think you'll find in the New Testament the cross-references are pointing to, I don't know, Jesus. So there's no way you could accept the New Testament and accept Jesus as Messiah and claim Isaiah 53 is about David. So that would seem to imply to me you have to reject the New Testament and reject Jesus. So then there's no point in arguing about Isaiah 53. Because the issue would be your rejection of the New Testament. So I try to get down to like the, the deeper, like there's, 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 a, there's a time to try to go, oh, I've got to convince you. But there, if you've already rejected the New Testament and rejected Jesus, there is no convincing you. In fact, the issue, if I'm going to convince you of something, is not Isaiah 53. We'd have to talk about the New Testament and Jesus. Like that would be the bigger issue, not Isaiah 53. And if you say, no, I accept the New Testament and Jesus, I just don't think Isaiah 53 is about Jesus. Well, then it's, then it would be on you to prove to me why none of the, why all the New Testament authors reference Isaiah 53 or all the ones that do. I think there's six or seven references to Isaiah 53 in the New Testament. I think there's maybe seven. Why you you would just like, nope, no, none of those. And those are direct references. I, I, then you have all the passages that clearly is alluding to the same concept. So you may end up with you know, maybe more. But then you would have to explain why those inspired New Testament writers clearly apply Isaiah 53 or that language to Jesus and not to David. So if you reject the New Testament, Isaiah 53 is not the question. If you accept the New Testament, then the question be, falls on you. What do you do with the cross-references in the New Testament about Isaiah 53 that clearly don't point to David? Now, we're going to work a little bit on some of the cross-references. Sound good? Let's just start with Isaiah 53, verse 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his stripes we are healed. Now, I don't know what in the world you do with that and say that that's David. I, I don't know. I don't know what you do with that. But immediately, I can take that and go to say something like, I don't know, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 24 through 25. He himself, speaking of Jesus, he himself bore our sins and his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Clearly, 1 Peter 2, 24 through 25, borrowing the language from Isaiah, clearly applies it to Jesus, not to David. 1 Peter 3, 18, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive in the spirit. Matthew 20, 28, even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. All of that is definitely very much in a connection with Isaiah. Second, uh, Second Corinthians 5, 21, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Speaking of Jesus, Romans 5, 6, uh, 6 through 10. For while we were still weak, uh, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one scarcely dies die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even die. But God showed his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
Those are a number of cross-references that clearly, if you read Isaiah 53, verse 5, and look at how the New Testament authors take that concept, build on that concept, they point it all to Jesus. Not one of them points to David. Not one of them. Now, if you're going to say, oh, it was David, it wasn't Jesus, then why did all of the New Testament writers, Jews, (laughs) why did the Jewish New Testament writers point to Jesus and not to David. You say, well, uh, the New Testament is invalid. I don't trust the New Testament and I don't believe Jesus was the Messiah. Okay, well then, then, then we're not, we don't need to discuss Isaiah 53. Then we would have to discuss the rejection of the New Testament, rejection of Jesus as Messiah. That turns into a completely different question. All right, well, but let's continue. There's more. Isaiah 53, 10 through 12. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make uh, many to be accounted righteous and shall bear the iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many. He shall divide the spoil with the strong. And because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressions, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. All this suffering for the uh, uh, unrighteous, suffering for the unrighteous. We, we, all of those other scriptures, cross-references, gave the same concept. But let's add some more cross-referencing here. Hebrews 10, 14. For by a single offering, he was perfected for all time, those who are being sanctified. Again, a reference to what Jesus did. Romans 4.25, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification, speaking of Jesus. Hebrews 9.12-15, he entered once for all into the holy place, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Hebrews 10:10 10, 10. and by that and by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all 1 Corinthians 15:3 for I deliver to you as of first importance uh, that I also receive that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures Romans 3:24 through 26 and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forth as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Ephesians 5, 2, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself gave himself up for us a a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. All of that's directly connected to Isaiah 53, 10 through 12. Isaiah 53, 6 through 8. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Hebrews 9, 28. So Christ having been offered once 
to bear the sins of many will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who eagerly waiting for him. Uh, Romans, uh, I mean, I could go on. Romans 5, 15 through 21. Daniel 9, 24. Um, all of these, all of these clearly um, are, are reference to, all of these cross-references are a reference to Isaiah, either directly or indirectly, either borrowing the language or at least uh, taking the concept that's clearly articulated in Isaiah 53 and applying it to Jesus. If you, I'm going to go to the King James really quick. I'm going to go to Isaiah 53 and the King James just to verify something. Just to verify something. No, okay, I was just making sure that the King James did not translate Isaiah 53.1 in a way that would say, nope, 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 see, that's pointing to David. That entire language, those 12 verses in Isaiah 53, uh, Someone just said maybe maybe they didn't like Paul. Now that may may be the question. Now I don't know what the the I don't know what perspective the emailer. So let me make this very clear. I don't know what perspective the emailer actually has. I mean, he thinks Isaiah fifty three, according to the emailer, is about suffering David. So even if he rejects Paul, well, what about Peter? Peter clearly takes the language and directly applies it to Jesus. So even if you reject Paul, you still have Peter doing the same thing. And we don't know if Paul wrote Hebrews. So then we would have the author of Hebrews, the author of, of 1 Peter, and then we would have uh, the references in the Gospels that once again, uh, I think in uh, the Gospels and in Acts, there are references to uh, Isaiah 53. So you would have to deal with that as well. So even if you reject Paul, I think you could still get there um, with it. I yeah, it's, I, I don't know. So here, here's what would be required. You would have to go through Isaiah 53, and then you would have to demonstrate in some kind of actual meaningful way, I mean, without like just completely doing gymnastics with the text, that David is the one who suffered and died for us. He, he carried our iniquities, and by his stripes we are healed. Like, you would have to prove that somehow David is the way that happened, and I just don't know how you, how that even comes close to working. How, how would that, and why would the New Testament Jews not go, whoa, 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 no, 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 hey, nobody could be quoting Isaiah 53. I mean, even the Jews would have been like, how dare you quote Isaiah 53? That's about David. I don't see any of that, like, major objection to it. So I, I, that's just, let me see here. I think, let me look here. I'm going to look at one more possible cross-reference here. Is it, is it X? Let me look here. I'm going to look here. I've got, I'm going by memory. I'm going by memory, going by memory. So I could be wrong. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you because I don't want to start reading it and be completely wrong. Um, Okay, yeah, Isaiah, okay, Isaiah, or Isaiah, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26, Acts chapter 8, verse 26, again, this is not Paul, so even, even if they don't, even if they reject Paul, 
Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Then the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, go down towards the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopian, uh, behold, a man of Ethiopian, of Ethiopia, and eunuch of great authority, under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot and read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard read the prophet Isaiah and said, understandest thou uh, what thou readest? And he said, how can I accept some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which you read was he was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away and who shall declare his generation for his life taken from earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet, this of himself or of some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him. Jesus. Now, someone just said Christians are Olympic level gymnasts. That is true. Uh, Christians can twist scripture and do weird things with scripture. I don't know how you get around Acts 8. Acts 8 just seems dogmatically, hey, who is this about? Who is it? So, so we have someone in the New Testament reading from Isaiah and, hey, who is this about? And he's like, he preached unto him Jesus, making it clear that all the New Testament references take Isaiah 53 and says it's about Jesus. So if you're going to say it's about David, then I, I again, I, I, your options are you reject the New Testament and you reject Jesus. If you do, then our, our disagreement our, is not about Isaiah 53. We would have to start with the rejection of the New Testament and rejection of Jesus. Once, and if we can't come to a conclusion with that, Isaiah 53 is irrelevant. Okay, um, so that would be the first issue. Second, if you reject the New Testament and you reject Jesus and you read Isaiah 53, then it would be up to you to prove to me using some means of hermeneutics. I don't know. You would have to explain which hermeneutical method you're using to interpret Isaiah 53 as a reference to David. You would have to demonstrate that. You would have to cross-reference it to death and go, see, it fits here, it fits here, it fits here, it fits here. And I guarantee you that's not going to work, but I would love to see the attempt, okay? It would be, and, and see what kind of hermeneutical gymnastics one would have to engage in. If you accept the New Testament and you accept Jesus, then you have to explain why you're going to say Isaiah 53 is about David and not Jesus with the New Testament making multiple references to Isaiah and applies it to Jesus. So I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else to say. The, the, the New Testament Jewish writers took Isaiah 53 and applied it to Jesus. And I haven't, even, I haven't even brought up the doctrine of inspiration of Scripture. I haven't even done that. I'm not even saying, well, hey, they're writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I'm not even bringing that into it. These are Jews writing, and they apply it to Jesus. Why didn't they apply it to David? Why they, didn't they even address that? I mean, if it was a common, like, the Jews just commonly read Isaiah 53 and said, this is David, 
Okay, maybe there are those in the Jewish tradition who do who did that. But then I would be like interested to know what hermeneutic they're using to come to that conclusion, other than just saying, oh, it's David. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, I can read any chapter and go, that's about whomever. I can just throw any name into it. That, that does, you've got to somehow demonstrate that. In other words, you'd have to say, here's the hermeneutic I, I'm using. Then prove with a consistent application of your hermeneutic that you can make Isaiah 53 about David. So first I would have to understand the hermeneutic, then see if it's a consistent use of that hermeneutic to draw that conclusion. I don't know what hermeneutic you could use to say, Isaiah 53, it's about David. I don't, how do you re- read the story of David and read Isaiah 53? I, I, no, <laughs> I, don't, I don't see it. David was a sinner. He was a sinner. I mean, if, if you've been listening to our study in Mark 2, 26, David straight up lied in that whole situation with Abiathar, well, not Abiathar, Ahimelech, um, and got all the priests killed. His sin with numbering the people, his sin with Bathsheba, his, I mean, all of the, I mean, he was a sinner. He wasn't rocking around saving me from my sin. So... I, I don't know what else to say. I, I'm, I'm grateful for the emailer emailing me. I just, I don't know what to do here. I'm trying to think of how would I prove that Isaiah 53 is about David? I'm thinking of every hermeneutical concept I could come up with. Even if I went allegorical, if I went back to the early church fathers, even if I go as allegorical as I could, how could I still make it about David? I don't even think an allegory could make that work. Oh, uh, all right. Twyla just said, um, I'm assuming, hang on. Okay, maybe maybe Twyla's got something here. Hang on, I got to see, got to see, got to see. And I'm referring, I'm referring, uh, okay. uh, Twyla is saying, for those who are listening online, don't know what I'm talking about. There's no one in the room, but uh, on the Spreaker app, people can chat with me. So uh, I'm looking at the chat, and uh, Twyla just said, uh, look at the second half of verse 9 in Isaiah 53. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Great point. David clearly did violence. Okay, there was war, fighting, and clearly there was deceit in his mouth because he straight up lied. I'm about the king's business. No, you're not, (laughs) And everyone gets slaughtered, right? So, yeah, good. Good job, Twyla, good job. Uh, Yeah, I don't see how that could be David. Good, yeah, I mean, yeah. Hey, come back and from the war and spend some time with your wife. I'm not trying to deceive you. No, no, not at all. I just need you to sleep with your wife. Uh, I I can't tell you why. Okay, yeah. um, Yeah, (laughs) that that is... uh, yeah, I, I don't see how that could be David. G- great job. Great job. So yeah, j- just going through Isaiah 53, like what would be your hermeneutic to say, this is David? Hermeneutics, uh, I, I will state this, and maybe not even for the benefit of the emailer, because I have, I mean, I read the entire email, so I don't know what they're thinking. I just have to say this for anyone else listening. Hermeneutics is not done by, hey, I just think that that's what it means. Hermeneutics is, here are here is the method I'm going to apply to the interpretation of said text. 
And then by using that method, you then allow the interpretation to come from that. Not, you don't, you don't place the interpretation on the text. You let the interpretation arise from the text. So yeah, I don't see how that could fit David. I don't see how that could fit really any person. Every person has deceit in their mouth in some way, shape, or form. I mean, we go forth from the womb basically telling lies. We go forth from the womb deceiving. You've never had to teach a kid to lie. You've never had to teach a kid to deceive. You've never had to have that lesson going, all right, today, kids, sit down. It's homeschooling day. Look at the board. Today we learn about lying. And your children's like, what is lying, mother? I've never heard of lying. What is deceit? I've never lied. I have never deceived. I don't even know what these concepts are. Please teach me more. Yeah, so there we go. I, I'm just going to stop there. I, I don't know what else to say. I, 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 I wish I had more, but I, I, don't know, uh, I don't know what else to say. All I can do is wait for the emailer to email me back uh, and say, no, you completely. <laughs> Someone asked if I used a, a, a I, won't, I, won't, I won't say it because I don't know. I don't know how the, I don't know. I don't know enough about the emailer to know if I could say that joke. I don't know if I could say that joke uh, because I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the emailer. Like for some of you guys, you could email me and I could just be like, you know, I could be giving you a hard time and just be like, you know, whatever, because I, we, you, we talk enough that I, I feel comfortable with that. This emailer, I don't know very well. So I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking. Uh, I, I don't know. So, um, because I don't know, I don't know their, I don't know their perspective. I don't know. It's, it's, I'm trying to figure it out. Like, I don't know. Is this someone who completely rejects the New Testament? Okay, well, then if that's the case, then then we've got to talk about that, not Isaiah 53. If you accept the New Testament and you accept Jesus, then you have to explain to me why all the New Testament Jewish writers <laughs> use Isaiah 53 to point to Jesus. Even if you even if you reject the new te- the New Testament and Jesus, you still would have the responsibility to explain how in the world Isaiah fifty three could be pointing to Jesus, based off the words that are actually used. Right? Yeah. See, uh, see, Heather is is listening. Twyla and Heather, I could give them a hard time all day long. Twyla has known me basically her whole life, so I could say whatever to her, and she and she would just like whatever and ignore me, and then well. Heather's from Indiana. What more do we need to say? I mean, what does she even know about hermeneutics? I mean, we've all listened. Okay, see, I can I can say things like that, and, and it's okay. Uh, but I, I do hope, and someone said, I do hope they let you know why they think this. Yeah, I do hope they let me know, like, how did they, like, where did they come up with this? Hey, Isaiah 53 is about David. I bet you. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Inquiring minds want, want to know. All right. I'm going, I bet you it has to be from some Jewish tradition. It has to be. Because you would have to completely reject the New Testament. You would have to. Okay, hang on. I'm going to do something here. Uh... Well, I did a search. 
um, about uh, Isaiah 53 about David, and I'm not I'm not coming up with anything. Uh, I'm not. Uh, let me see here. Okay, this, uh, the 17th century Jewish historian uh, Raphael Levi admitted that long ago the rabbis used to read Isaiah 53 in synagogues, but after the chapter caused arguments and great confusion, the rabbis decided that the simplest thing would be just to take that prophecy out of the readings in synagogues. That's why today when you read when we read Isaiah 52, we stop in the middle of the chapter and the week after we jump straight to Isaiah 54. Now I have heard this claim. I don't know if it's true. But I have heard in synagogues, they no longer allow the reading of Isaiah 53. I don't know if that's true. Maybe in a very orthodox, I doubt that that's true in the more liberal form of Judaism. But I've heard this claim multiple times. But it's just funny that when I look up Isaiah 53 is about David, the first thing, one of the things I come across is, no, you can't even read Isaiah 53. Well, why why wouldn't you, if, 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 if if Isaiah 53 is about David, well, then why would there ever be any report of any synagogue not reading Isaiah 53? They'd be like, everyone, we're going to be reading Isaiah 53 today because it's a glorious chapter about David. So I don't know if that's true. I've heard that claim multiple times. I don't remember. I don't remember. Um, I don't remember. Um, I think, I think. Okay, when I was at uh, Grace University in Omaha, Nebraska for world religions class, for every other week, we would go to like, we went to an Islamic mosque, we went to a Buddhist temple, we went to a Jewish synagogue, we went to all these different uh, other religions, and the goal was to go and just listen to them present their perspective, right? And was and I almost positive, someone asked the Jewish rabbi, do you read Isaiah 53? I'm almost positive but I can't remember what the answer was. I, I can't remember. Um, but I know, well, I know we went to the Jewish synagogue. So, so I mean, I said, then this can't be coming from a Jewish perspective. I don't know what this is coming from. I've never, like, I get lots of questions. Sometimes I look at the questions and I'm like, what? And this is one of those I'm kind of like, wait, Isaiah 53 is about David? I don't know. I don't know. So I thought I would turn it on, on the microphone and try to work through it just on the spot and see what we came up with. There's a lot of people listening. Nobody has said, no, 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 you're missing the point. It is about David. Look at this verse. Nobody has offered that. Twyla offered a cross. She looked at Isaiah 53, was it verse nine? And was like, uh, there's no way that's about David, which that it would be a great argument against it. And uh, then we do a quick Google search and immediately find out that well, in some synagogues, it appears, possibly. At least I've heard the theory multiple times that Isaiah 53 has been removed. I've heard others say that's not the case. So maybe maybe it's in some cases, in some cases it's not. But you would think it would never even be an issue. Rabbis would be like, what are you talking about? We love Isaiah 53. It's about David, one of the greatest kings of Israel, a great guy who died for all of our sins and took away our iniquities and there was no deceit in his mouth and there was no... Never mind. We we okay because immediately you just start saying those words. You have to kind of stop and go. What am I talking about? David was jacked up. David was a mess. 
just like the rest of us. So, all right, we'll see. Uh, to the emailer, thank you. Um, I wish I could do a better job, but you didn't give me a lot to go on. So all I could do is just run the theory and just look at it from every different perspective. And uh, if you need to clarify anything, please do so. And I will, but if you do so, you better do so like maybe in the next 45 minutes because come Saturday, I'm going to be on a boat in the middle of the ocean. So um, I, I won't be able to help you there. So, all right. I'll have all my emails forwarded to uh, Twyla and Heather. They'll, they'll answer all emails for my entire time that I'm gone. So that's, that's, is that a good idea? I, I don't know. All right. Okay. I'm joking. I'm joking. That's not going to happen. All right. Thanks for listening. I hope that was beneficial. Now I'm going to go f- figure out all the other things I need to get done today because I got like a million in like tomorrow. I got to take the oil. The ca- I got to take the oil. I got to take the car to get an oil change. Who wants to do that? I got to sit there for like 12 hours. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. So yeah. I know you don't really care. I'd rather be doing this is what I would rather be doing. But got to get those things done. So I'm going to go work on things if I can. The goal is tonight, Mark 2, 26 at church. That's the plan. And then uh, maybe later tonight, do some live broadcasting. We'll see. All right. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening. God bless.